listening to an IOE podcast from the UCL Institute of Education. Powered by UCL Minds. Tim, welcome. Thank you for joining us in the first ever In Touch Thinking Pieces podcast. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hello, Lily. My name is Tim Neumann. I am a lecturer in education technology at the UCL Knowledge Lab and also perform the role of the head of the UCL Institute of Education's Learning Technologies Unit. So uh, I advise our staff, our academic staff, on how to use technologies for teaching. Mm. And we've been wanting to speak to you for some time because you have a form of synesthesia, which is of particular interest to us at InTouch. Um, could you start by telling us a bit about synesthesia and what form yours takes? Sure. Synesthesia, in principle, uh, is the connection of senses in the brain which are not normally connected. So, um, the one of the most common forms is that people report seeing letters as colors or numbers mm -hmm. as colors or words as colors. Uh, my particular form is a bit different. It's the auditory tactile form of synesthesia, which just effectively means that when I hear something, I feel something, um, but it's quite specific effectively. So um, my form of synesthesia apparently is rare and it's even rarer because it's heavily connected uh, with pitch and even more specifically with the sound of a piano. Okay. And, and when did you first notice this connection? That is a good question, um, because I've been growing up with this. So for me, it's a normal state, uh, and I didn't question it. Uh, but there was some point when I was realizing that other people don't feel things, uh, because they have different reactions to certain keys, to certain pitches, to certain notes. Uh, and it was only really um, in my teenage years when I met another person who associated uh, musical pitch with brightness and darkness right. um, and uh, interestingly her bright notes were my hard notes and her dark notes were my soft notes so uh, th that was the moment when we sort of got together and explored yeah. it a little bit and uh, found some similarities but also found out that other people don't really perceive things in the same way as we do. That's really, really interesting. And uh, I'm hoping that you'll be able to uh, maybe convey in a bit more detail uh, what these experiences are, maybe around specific uh, notes or, or um, pitches. Um, so we're currently in one of the music rooms at the Institute of Education because we thought it'd be interesting to have access to a piano yes. during this recording. Um, so could you could you now um, give us some some examples of what uh, tactile sensations you experience when you play certain keys? Yes, so the biggest difference is really between hardness factor, softness and hardness. And uh, there are certain notes that are just soft and can never be anything else, like F, B flat, and E flat. These are the softest, softest notes in the whole uh, synesthetic universe, if you think. <laughs> okay. uh, and these correspond to the dark notes of um, my teenage friend there. 
and um, the, on, on the contrary, the really hard notes are uh, something like an E or a B or a, an F sharp. And um, when you say hard, what what's, could you try to describe um, how that manifests in a kind of um, uh, tactile sense? Uh, yes, um, that uh, yes. The softness is effectively, if you would imagine, stroking a piece of fur. Uh, well, not a piece, but uh, yeah. a, a cat's fur, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, that is the sort of soft softness that I get from an F. Uh, whereas uh, when you look at B, which is one of the hardest notes that exists, that is really um, like some rough piece of steel. Um, so it has the hardness of steel, uh, of metal, um, and but also a, a rough surface. So um, the, the 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 sensation that I get is effectively on my back. And okay, that was my next question. Where do you feel yeah, these sensations? It's on my back, but also on the hands. Okay. Um, and, and sometimes, uh, well, with some more complex combinations, it can turn into a whole body experience. But it's, it's mostly on the back, so the feeling of lying down somewhere. Right. Or in the hand, um, which is the feeling... Uh, imagine you put your hand into a pudding and the pudding... Uh, okay. yeah, molds around your fingers and so on. Uh, that is the sort of sensation. Wow. And if you're, so you're sitting upright at a piano right now. So you mentioned it was, say, when you hit a B note, it's like lying on steel. But if you're, if you're sitting up, is it, does it feel like someone's pressing steel against your back? Pretty much so. Um, although, we have to distinguish between complex sounds and more simple sounds. So a single note of a B, for example, like this one, um, that is just one single note that doesn't have the volume to um, in, to, to create a sensation that uh, extends to the full back. Um, so it's more like um, and, and in some sections of my back there is this <laughs> pressure sense. Uh, whereas if you have a full chord like uh, this one, now this has more volume. This has more substance to it, and that is much more of this roughness uh, and 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 the steel rough steel surface that you are right. grinding against almost. Gosh, so is that unbearable for you, or is it pleasant, or how does it feel? If it was unbearable, then it would be pretty awful. Uh, <laughs> no, it is bearable, but uh, I do prefer the softer um, sensations. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it, it carries... It, it, when you look at it from a musical perspective, you can construct it uh, or make it part of the music. And when the music is also in sort of a driving upbeat sort of stuff, then the heart sensation makes sense. Okay. Uh, but in, in this key, for example, um, it would uh, a piece of music that is suddenly very soft and mellow and uh, romantic or so just wouldn't make sense. Right. Because it, uh, it is a cognitive dissonance between the sensation and the character of the music. Right. And have you ever kind of now or in your teenagers, have you ever kind of composed pieces around your synesthetic responses? 
Well, composed is probably a bit much, <laughs> but at the age of seven or so, roughly, uh, I think I drove my parents mad by uh, playing one particular chord sequence over and over and over and over, just because it makes the use of, of soft notes. And I can just right. demonstrate this on the piano. It was effectively this chord sequence. soothing I'm not getting any tactile sensations but what happens so could you describe now what happens there what sensations do you get there do you get the, the fur you mentioned the fur well this is more complex because there are some neutralish oaky harder notes in there like mm-hmm. the C and the G mm. um, so when you combine all these individual things that I'm able to analyze in more detail consistently, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the criteria of really uh, being recognized as synesthesia. Otherwise, I could just lie. Um, <laughs> but um, in a chord structure, um, the complexities get much bigger. So um, the sensation here are getting more towards lying on a mattress and... Uh, feeling the softness of the mattress as you turn and as the course change as well the sensation changes with it so um, this you know turning around on something soft um, that is effectively the sensation that I get there. Wow and did you explain this to your parents at the time when you were playing this sequence over and over again and driving them mad did they understand why that was happening? No, because I didn't articulate what I was feeling because right. this was just normal for me. Uh-huh. And there's no need to talk about it when something is normal. Right. Um, so I was assuming that, you know, everybody gets it. And, <laughs> right. Um, and it was a nice sensation for me. It's like continuing to lie in bed, even though you're sitting upright at a piano. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no need to articulate that. I could perhaps also mention at this point, perhaps explain it in, uh, in, in more detail how it manifests now that I'm an adult. Yeah. Because there's a personal story here. Um, well, uh, in, in my later teenage years, I had music theory, uh, theory lessons right. uh, as a part of a certificate course outside of a school and so on. And the teacher there quickly um, got the drift that I was having some sort of an, uh, displaying signs of absolute pitch, absolute hearing. So uh, the ability of, to recognize uh, musical pitch without reference. Okay. Um, now, I don't think I am a good example for absolute pitch because I think my absolute pitch capability comes from the synesthesia. So it's synesthesia-induced <laughs> absolute pitch, um, which is not as reliable um, but uh, this teacher um, quickly picked up on um, this skill of mine, uh, or this natural skill of mine, and uh, then told me um, this would actually be a hindrance uh, if I wanted to become more competent in analyzing music and so on. Right. Um, then the sense might get in the way 
of things. Uh, so he was actually making the both the absolute pitch and the synesthesia thing. Uh, he was making it out to be something bad okay. and something to get rid of. Um, and as an impressionable young person, if you hear it often enough, you yeah. start to believe it. Yeah, so, yeah, so I actively try to detrain <gasps> these sensations, which... Um, and how did that work out? Did it work? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Uh, of course not, because you can't just switch it off. Yeah. Um, but you can convince yourself that this is, well bad not natural and so on which has a huge impact on your identity actually so i um do uh, do advise anybody if somebody reports on synesthesia don't dismiss it take it serious and don't try to detrain it because uh you can sort of dampen the the right. sensations that you feel by consciously negating it and oh this is not a real thing or this is a bad thing and so on mm-hmm. so uh, that lessens the um the the impact of it and that lessens the way you work with it in your real life to some degree so at some point i sort of lost the conscious um perception of the synesthesia even though on the subconscious level it was always there and interestingly there's an example of an album of pop rock, uh, or prog rock, rather. Uh, a band released, a band called Frost released an album something like 10, 12 years ago, which, is, which was called Experiments in Mass Appeal. And there was one piece of music, one song that really appealed to me uh, that I played over and over again. And I didn't think much about it until years later, I just for fun of it, I looked at what keys is each song of this album mm-hmm. in, and then discovered that this piece I really liked the best was almost exclusively composed of soft notes and had almost a complete absence of E, B, and wow. F sharp. And I, I can give you an example yeah, of this song um, uh, because then I can relate it to the sort of sensation I get from it. Um, so the, the chords themselves are like this. Now in the song it's played much more broken up and much more abrupt. Um, so I think I haven't played it on piano before, but I think it goes something like this. So um, this nature of playing changes the mood of the song completely from something mellow to something abrupt, harshish and so on. But for me... It's always the perfect example of a memory foam mattress. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, imagine you're lying on a memory foam mattress in a very expensive one that oh, really yeah. works in the right conditions, Wonderful. right temperature. <laughs> and then you feel how you sink into it. Uh, mm. The um, yeah, And then suddenly you get the support of the lower layers, which are a bit harder. So they push against you, but you're still snuggling into this... Uh, 
perfect body mold and you moving around a little bit to feel this body mold um, and then you um, have a I don't know duck down uh, duvet uh, above you uh-huh. and you snuggle into that as well so that's the kind of sensation that I get from the structure and that it doesn't matter if you play it softly uh, or if you play it uh, abruptly For me, it's always a memory foam mattress. Gosh, <laughs> that's fascinating. Is it is interesting what you were saying as well earlier about how you had this music theory teacher who kind of tried to persuade you that it was sort of damaging or, or, yeah. or not going to be helpful to you. Um, and when I was uh, researching synesthesia before this podcast and, and looking up, and I was looking at how it was defined, and uh, I. I I did register that actually, how uh, in some instances it was defined as a a condition or sort of framed in these sort of negative terms. And then in other places it was defined as a a sensory phenomenon or a a gift or um, so it's it's. It's interesting that 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 framing um, and how it varies even now. Yes, I mean, let's be honest, it's a kind of a freakish thing uh, because it's not normal. And uh, when, when something is not normal, then it has also all sorts of social connotations to right. it, uh, which can be framed positively or negatively, as you say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the research is finding that it's increasingly more common than, than it was than was previously thought. Yes, there's actually a theory that uh, every human being is uh, essentially synesthetic at birth and we just right. lose this uh, ability as we grow older. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. So maybe I've just yeah. not grown up. Oh, <laughs> no, I think you have. <laughs> it's it's also interesting, so for in touch, we're also looking particularly at the different ways technologies are increasingly mediating or translating tactile sensations in certain aspects of touch. And I was wondering, do you see any connections between your synesthesia or, or synesthesia more, more broadly? It takes obviously multiple different forms in terms of the digital realm and um, either in terms of helping us understand those who aren't synesthetes to understand synesthesia or... yeah. Is there something else? Yes, I mean, uh, there you raise a really complex uh, issue here, which cannot be answered in one sentence or so. (laughs) Uh, so, But but there are definite advantages of delving into, for example, the digital realm in order to explore these issues further. Mm -hmm. So before I get to the tactile component, I probably... Uh, it probably would make sense to have a look or to think about where else technology has sort of advanced our understanding and where it can, for example, also help to um, give others uh, an approximation of a sense of synesthesia. Um, Now, when we are talking about digital technology, I think what the advantage of this technology is uh, uh, with regards to human sensoric input is uh, digital technology is very good at um, storing or uh, remembering or you know uh, uh, well creating yeah um, preserving something mm-hmm. it is very good at analysis so it helps you analyze things um much better because you can employ mathematical methods and so on. And 
you can exert control. So you can control things and manipulate things and do things with uh, uh, for your sensory inputs that are difficult to achieve otherwise. Um, so, for example, in the auditory world or in the world of sound, we have been working with technology a lot, and uh, digital technology in particular has advanced things a lot, advanced things of how we understand sound and how we can control, analyze, and manipulate sound, um, starting, uh, but, uh, starting with effectively uh, a loudspeaker. That was the mm -hmm. first r real device where we suddenly could replicate sound in some way, and that allowed us to control aspects of sound. With digital technologies, we have now this vast amount, uh, vast arsenal of tools uh, where we can really find out what the components of sound actually are, but also then exert control on them. Uh, for example, uh, I've recently come across an example of speech synthesis. So you can now, uh, based on an analysis of a 10-second or even 5-second sample of your own speech, um, modern speech synthesis can replicate any word spoken by your voice. <gasps> that is effectively the combination of analysis and um, control that digital technology allows us to do with sound. Now, um, from the human sensory input, it effectively goes into our eardrum and so on, and then we make sense of the sounds that we hear. Mm -hmm. But we can manipulate this very well because then we have this um, very effective mediator from loudspeaker or headphone to our ear there. In the visual world, we have a similar thing. Uh, we've all Always, for centuries, there have been paintings that explored colors or representations of reality that uh, we perceive through our eyes and so on. And with digital technology, that has enabled us to be more flexible with it and have more control. Uh, we don't need to mix chemicals to create colors. We can just select um, a number and then we suddenly have uh, one of 16.7 million colors. Um, so there we can uh, create th things and we can control it very easily. Uh, the next step there is uh, motion, uh, visual uh, motion images. Uh, yeah, the motion picture, uh, effectively. And there, uh, that is an area where we, for example, um, can simulate synesthesia quite well. I mean, you can simulate colored text quite easily as well in the digital domain by spontaneously giving letters or words a color. Perhaps helps people understand how synesthetes with this form of synesthesia perceive things, perceive text. But then um, a very convincing example of mixing um, senses because synesthesia is inherently multimodal or uh, cross-modal, rather. It creates connections between different uh, sensoric modes. Um, a good example uh, was what we did at the Christmas party of the UCL Knowledge Lab, where <laughs> yeah. we had a VR simulation. So people were putting on a headset, and then you entered a virtual lift, uh, went on top of a virtual skyscraper uh, on a small plank and jumped off. Or you jump. tried to jump off. A lot yeah, of people well, couldn't jump off. Yeah, exactly. A lot yeah. of people uh, could not because a sense of excitement, of anxiety, of fear set in. But even if you did jump off, you for a short um, second or two seconds or milliseconds or what, or, um, 
for a short time, you lost the sense of balance. That's right. For yeah. example, so um, your input that you were getting from your actual feet, the floor, and so on, uh, was different to the input from uh, that you were getting from your visual sense. And uh, it, then, in this moment, it took a while to reconcile that, um, and that perhaps is maybe the closest we can get to an experience of synesthesia because there is something that you can't control. Um, a sense messes up a different sense in right. some way yeah. or manipulates a different sense uh, without you being in control of that uh, and w without the actual uh, inputs from that other sense being present. So this virtual reality thing is perhaps, in my view, one of the closest things you can get to this um, cross cross mix, sense, yeah, yeah. Ah. cross sensoric experience. Mm, that's really really interesting. But there's so much that we don't know about um, about these phenomena. So it's actually worthwhile to explore this. But going back to the earlier question, with uh, with how can we make people experience things, uh, and with uh, regards to the tactile sense, mm -hmm. I think there is a big challenge here because yeah. we don't really have this mediator between uh, cr uh, trying to control an experience and then conveying that experience to the relevant person. Um, you know, for, for sound, we have loudspeakers. For, um, for our visual sense, we now have screens or canvas and so on. Um, for our sense of taste, for example, well, we, uh, you could argue that we have now these purportedly intelligent cooking machines, right. which in the strictest sense are not really intelligent, but uh, you have a machine that uh, gives you more control over a product that you can then use to stimulate your sense of taste. Uh, so you have some control over that. But what's the equivalent for the tactile arena? So you would effectively have something that's really excites the tactile sense and that likely would have to be something that gets in touch with you. I'd, I'd love to be able to experience your what you experience with these the soft notes that you were saying. I'd love, I'd love that mattress. I wonder if that could, maybe you could, you could direct a project around that. Yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> tricky thing is, and this is also the tricky thing of uh, haptics in uh, general, or the tactile sense in general, is um, when you listen it to, to a piece of music, okay, one note creates a, some sense, like this, wow, this is hard. Um, okay. But in the context of music, this note never stands alone. You know, right. it's, it's rare that yeah, we yeah. only hear this note because we normally hear like... Uh, something around it. So it changes. So the sensation changes all the time. In order to make you feel what I feel in these mm -hmm. situations, mm -hmm. I would have to wrap you in a blanket in one right. second and then push a wooden board <laughs> at you in the next second and then uh, probably beat you with an aluminium stick in the next second and, or, and rub some felt on you in the next second. Uh, all in very, very quick succession and sometimes simultaneously. So you need a team. People to, you to really, really need a team. It's, so, it's impossible. Wow. 
maybe just uh, well uh, it's uh, maybe impossible maybe at some point uh, we get to a thing where you lie down in some form of glutinous mass yeah and then some machinery is able to um, change the state of this gluten glutinous mass <laughs> Uh, in, in some positions and so on to uh, quickly make you feel different things there. Or you're lying on a set of um, pens that can prop out. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this could be this could be a digital touch project. I mean, if, if anyone out there has uh, the time and uh, resources to help uh, Tim recreate his tactile experiences <laughs> for like you could yeah it could be like a sort of installation piece that people go to they kind of or experiential piece that people go to and they visit and uh they they yeah. experience what it's like to be you yes um I, i think you had a thinking piece on your in touch blog um about uh, a weird of we a kind of chair um that was presented that vibrates in, in certain areas but not in others and you can change that and so that is perhaps the type of control um, that gets us towards these sensations and that you can still work with um, associ associations and these associations are what you have mentioned earlier with a packet of crisps mm -hmm. or when you scrape with your fingernails on a blackboard and so on that for some creates a sense of um, yeah uh, goosebumps or so um, and and these are associations that is something that we can work with and that is something that um, one composer we've talked about in a previous discussion has worked with uh, I'm talking about yeah. Nick Ryan here who has a few years ago created a piece um, where he describes a dress um, in acoustic ways it's I think it's uh, still available because from his website I see because he, he has um, it's it's sort of like the reverse of yours so he has a yes. tactile auditory and I think I think maybe I think he has two senses maybe it's visual visual tactile and then it trans translates into auditory manifests itself um, auditorially um, so yes so tell, yes. tell me about the dress yeah well uh, I've met Nick only once uh, when he gave a talk about that particular piece uh, it is available on some website uh, unfortunately in flash format which is on its way out <laughs> okay. so if you want to experience that then find this website very quickly uh, but yeah it, it's a um, it's effectively um, the dress captured and then uh, Nick composed acoustic sounds uh, digitally Uh, that describe the different layers of the dress, the different fabrics, the buttons, and so on. And ah. interestingly, that really resonated with me. I, I could really feel the buttons there. Gosh. So that is, uh, for me, that was really a sensoric experience. And I, I could really get why he chose the sounds he chose in order to describe the dress. So it's kind of like it translated. It, he created this sort of la auditory language, but it translated itself back to you. It translated, yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it translated back the the nature of the fabric and wow. the nature of the elements that, uh, yeah, the elements of the dress. Gosh, that's that's fascinating, right? I've I've got to um, get online and look that up, as you say, before it it disappears from the internet. Um, thank you, Tim, very much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. I'm just wondering, could you play those nice soft? 
chords again for us. Or I could leave you with something uh, curious okay. because uh, you know, funnily enough, my uh, both my hard notes and my soft notes are in a certain relationship to each other and the musically aware listener might have spotted this when I was talking about F, B flat and E flat. Uh, that is a fourth, a musical fourth. So, okay. And when we have these three notes played this way together, then we are very close to the Star Trek theme. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this IOE podcast from the UCL Institute of Education, University College London. 